Father, we come before you today. And though, Lord, we may be heavy, we may feel the weight of suffering, although we may feel burdened with our own sins, we gather here as children of God, not by anything of us, but because of your grace that so freely was lavished on us in Jesus. Lord, you are the king of our lives. And we ask that even in this moment now, we would reflect that, that your lordship would be worked into the hearts of each and every one of these students, including me, and that God, we would see you for your glory in the gospel and be changed by it to be more and more like Jesus. So God, you work that through your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, turn to 1 Peter 3, the back end of it, verses 18 through 22. Um, Peter is one of those books that talks a lot about suffering, so we kind of are still in the tone of suffering. But uh, it's always good news. So let's remember to kind of situate ourselves back into the argument that Peter makes. That's always good to do that with letters. Make sure you're uh, fixing yourself in, in the uh, spot that Peter's at. And we are in the portion that would make up the main body of the letter that's asking or answering this question. How should God's people live in a right relationship with unbelievers, unbelievers in a pagan society? How should you live as an exile? as a pilgrim, as a stranger in the world? And specifically, how should you interact with people who don't follow Jesus? And the first thing Peter said, the first priority he had was battle the own sin, battle your own sin that's within you. Stop thinking about how other people act this way or other people don't believe the same things that you do and instead focus on the own battle of sin that you have in your own heart. And so he said to maintain your good conduct among them. And that includes your submission to authority. So he talked about submitting to the authority figures in your life. And to do so not only with the government and the household, but to do so as a representation of Jesus, who himself submitted himself to the Father. And submitted himself even to death. And then out of that, he started to talk about Suffering, how to respond to people who oppose you or oppress you because of your Christian beliefs. He said to have a ready defense for those people, to, uh, to speak to the hope that is in you. And he said Christians should expect and prepare to be opposed by people. Not everyone's going to be nice to you. They weren't nice to Jesus. If you follow, call yourself a follower of Jesus, they might not be nice to you or treat you well. And while this may cause suffering, Peter's good news is this, that you will be blessed. So he wants to encourage you in your suffering, not to deny that the suffering you're going through isn't legitimate or it's not taking place. He wants to encourage you in it. And that's what he continues to do in the passage tonight. He's going to give a word of encouragement to us while we are in suffering. And this is what he says, verse 18. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that, this is the reason that Christ suffered, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit, 
in which he went and proclaimed to the spirits in prison, because they formerly did not obey when God's patience waited in the days of Noah while the ark was being prepared, in which a few, that is eight persons, were brought safely through the water. Baptism, which corresponds to this, now saves you, not as a removal of dirt from the body, but as an appeal to God for a good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus. This, I'm not going to say much about this in the sermon tonight, but this is one of the reasons we get baptized. We get baptized to make a testimony to other people of the resurrection of Jesus. So we are pointing to the fact that we are a people who have been identified with the resurrection. And that is why you get baptized, to make that statement of declaration to other people. So we won't talk about that tonight. It's kind of an aside here, so I'll make it an aside. Um, But if you haven't been baptized and you call yourself a follower of Jesus, that should change. And we can do that. We can get uh, you baptized uh, the week before Easter, which is kind of cool. So if that needs to happen, come talk to me. Anyway, he keeps continuing. He says, um, Jesus, who has gone into heaven... This is where Jesus is now and is at the right hand of God with angels, authorities, and powers having been subjected to him. So I want to look at three key teachings from the passage tonight, see how that provides us a model for how to suffer well and ultimately acts as an encouragement to us in our suffering. We should be encouraged tonight based off this passage. Number one, we have a suffering Savior. Jesus suffered. As Jesus followers who are trying to handle our own suffering in the world and respond in a godly way, we have a Savior and a Lord who we follow, who we claim to follow, that suffered. So this has become normal and routine for us to talk about. Like we've already talked about how Jesus has suffered. We've sang about how Jesus has suffered. But imagine, just imagine if you had never had the Christian story growing up, and then you just decided to show up to a Christian gathering one Sunday. You walk in, right, and they're doing the whole Christian karaoke thing about how great God is, how glorious God is, how he saved them, and then they start saying, like, how precious his blood is, like how cool it is that he had a crown of thorns placed on his head, that they nailed him to a cross, You see how weird this is? How odd it would be if you didn't have this Christian story that we celebrate his suffering? Think about that. That's unique. That's odd. And why is it odd and unique? Well, it's odd and unique because we're celebrating suffering, something that seems weird and not normal, not something we want for ourselves. So it's odd to have a Lord that suffers, but it's so important for the Christian faith. And we'll talk about one important reason as we go in terms of our salvation. Something about Jesus' suffering is connected to our salvation. We see healing, we see deliverance in the suffering of Jesus. In other words, something about his suffering and death is linked to the atonement, the covering up, the payment for of our sins, and thus that is a source of healing for us. His suffering is connected to our healing. We'll unpack more of that as we continue. But another aspect that's really important that just kind of wrecked me this week was how Hebrews talks about Jesus as a sufferer. This is what he says. Jesus sympathizes with your suffering. He feels your suffering. 
He knows what it's like. He's experienced the suffering that you have experienced. You have a God and a Lord and a Savior who has experienced your suffering. Hebrews in chapter 4 says this, We do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness. Jesus knows our weaknesses. Jesus sympathizes with them. He feels them. And he carried them for us. But he, in every respect, has been tempted as we are, yet we are, yet he was without sin. So we have a suffering Savior. And that's very important that we talk about the suffering of Jesus because Jesus suffered for a good purpose. Peter links it to a meaning, a purpose. Jesus suffered for a purpose. As we've said before, your suffering is not meaningless. It is not the product of a random universe that's just suffocating you as another biological animal floating around this planet. Like, you are not just the product of chance and randomness. And that means your suffering has meaning. Do not let anyone tell you that the suffering you're going through is meaningless. God is sovereign over your suffering and your pain, and God has a good purpose for it. Romans 8 tells us that all things, including the bad things, they work together for good for those who love God and seek God according to his will and purpose. Your life is going to be a tapestry of different threads. Some are going to be bright and beautiful, but there'll be other threads in your life that are dark, and they may last a while. But the beautiful thing is God takes those dark threads and those bright threads and he weaves them together to be beautiful and good and glorious. And there's no better picture of that than the cross, than the suffering of Jesus. If you doubt that your suffering has meaning, look to the suffering of your Savior. So Jesus suffered for a good purpose, and that was to bring others to God, to reconcile their relationship to God and to advance the mission of God. So let's linger on those purposes a little bit. First, Jesus suffered to reconcile others to God. That word reconcile just means like bring together, like relationships getting reconciled. So Jesus suffered so that he could bring unrighteous, sinful people back into a right relationship with God. From the beginning of creation, this was God's desire to dwell with his people. He made a garden that was fit for both of them to dwell in. Like God was walking around the garden with Adam. And like that's what God's desire is, to dwell with his people. But man's sinfulness alienated them from from God's presence. So because of our sin and our rebellion, our desire to define good and evil on our own terms... We have lost our right relationship with God. And through the suffering of Jesus, he is bringing us back into a relationship with him. If it were not for the suffering of Jesus, if it were not for the bloody cross, we would not be reconciled in our relationship to God. Without the cross, we would have no communion or fellowship with the God who created us. So that's a good purpose, That is something that should redeem the whole suffering of Jesus, right? And so in turn, that should redeem your view and perspective of your own suffering. God can redeem your suffering. He took the most horrific event in the universe, 
the most unjust event in the universe, and he turned it into the most good and glorious thing in the universe. Holy moly. Ooh. I've got to go to the doctor or something. Like, get that worked out of you. The demons inside of your nostrils. Um, anyway, number two. It, I, I, I want to frame it this way because it's important. Jesus' suffering also advanced the mission of God. Even more than just bringing us back into our relationship with God, there's a bigger story that Jesus is working towards here. The gospel is not simply the good news in terms of you get to have your quiet time with Jesus now. The gospel is good news in terms of something God is doing to all of creation to bring it back to himself. So God is, is using the suffering of Jesus. God himself is suffering to advance his mission for the entire creation. And that is the rule and reign of God being on earth as it is in heaven. That's what God's about. He wants his kingdom to come on earth as it is in heaven. And something about the suffering of Jesus is working towards that. So it is the suffering of Jesus that led to the victory of Christ. And this is advancing the mission of God when he desires to see his kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus suffered so that he could die. And he died so that he could be resurrected. And in his resurrection, he's creating a new pattern of existence for human beings. He is creating a whole new way of living, a whole new life. And he wants this to work itself in Jesus' followers and then totally revamp, resurrect the universe. So, so the suffering of Jesus is, is advancing this mission. So in the same way that Jesus suffered for a good purpose that his suffering was not meaningless. We as Christians are encouraged that our suffering is not meaningless. And suffering is a pathway to glory and to victory, which leads to our third point. Jesus' suffering led to his victory. Jesus suffered, but it was his suffering that led to victory. There would have been no resurrection if there was not death, there would have been no resurrection if there were not the suffering of Jesus. And Peter says that Jesus was put to death in the flesh, but he was made alive in the spirit. And this is a claim of victory. Like Jesus won. Death and suffering did not stop Jesus. And this is what those odd verses in 19 and 20, they're talking about Jesus, after he's resurrected, he goes to preach to the spirits in prisons who had disobeyed during the time of Noah. This is probably, in my study, is one of the most hard, hardest passages to interpret in Scripture. But um, it's probably a reference to Jesus proclaiming victory, that he's won, he's resurrected over the demonic powers that uh, had formerly disobeyed God throughout history. And that fits with the context of what Peter's saying. He's saying that Jesus won the victory. He has complete victory and authority now. Once Jesus was raised from the dead, he proclaimed victory over all powers and authorities. And so Jesus' suffering led to his death, which led to his resurrection, which led to us being able to celebrate 
God has the victory. We can live in that victory. So in the suffering of Jesus, we see that godly suffering leads to glory. Those who suffer for the sake of Christ will be glorified just as he was. And in the flow of the argument that the Spirit of God is making through Peter here, this is supposed to be an encouragement to you. As you're facing the daily grind, the ebbs and flows of life, specifically the suffering you receive from others' oppression for your faith, you can look to Jesus as a suffering Savior and be encouraged. Be encouraged that suffering does not have the final say in your life. Suffering will not be your eternal destination with Jesus. Jesus has won the victory. And because of that, he gets to call the shots, not the suffering or circumstances you're going through. So suffering doesn't have the final say because it didn't have the final say over Jesus. And as Jesus followers, you share the same destiny as Jesus, resurrection and glory. That's good news. That's encouraging news, especially if you are going through suffering. So I'd say that this is a model for our own suffering. We have a suffering Savior, so we should expect to suffer and prepare to suffer. But we have a Savior who suffered for a good reason, a good purpose, to reconcile people to God and to advance his mission. So we should likewise be willing to suffer in order to love others well. Are you willing to suffer so that you can love other people well? Or as soon, as soon as it becomes uncomfortable or inconvenient, do you give up loving people? Because goodness gracious, I'm glad Jesus didn't. Talk about inconvenient. Talk about humiliating. Talk about uncomfortable and painful and full of suffering. But that's the extent of suffering he went through to love you and to love you well. So we have a Savior who suffered and who is now the victorious King. So we should reflect his lordship in our lives, that he's king over us. He's sovereign even over our suffering. And one day, King Jesus is going to get the keys to all of the cosmos, and he is going to totally detail it. He is going to revamp everything. He's going to resurrect everything. And the last enemy to be subjected to him will be death. Death will be laid to the grave. So as people who will struggle with suffering, who will constantly look to, um, who will constantly go through suffering, we need to look to Jesus to be encouraged in our suffering. Listen, there's no amount of self-help, there's no amount of gimmicky tips, there's no amount of diet and exercise, there's no amount of therapy, there's no amount of pills that is going to transform your suffering like looking to Jesus. The most encouraging thing in your suffering is to look to Jesus. So as we see his suffering, that it's not a sign of divine displeasure, but it's in fact a path to glory, we in turn are encouraged and compelled to suffer well in this world. So we need to remind ourselves of the suffering of Christ. That's something we as Christians need to do. And one of the ways we do that as a Christian community is through the Lord's Supper. The Lord's Supper or communion or the table or the Eucharist is a way of reminding ourselves of the suffering of Jesus. 
So we're going to bring out this table here. Uh, we're going to have Josh come up. He's going to play some music. We're going to prepare the table.